0: focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. David Miller here with my sidekick co-host, Dr. Michelle Pubega what's up
1: hello everybody hi dave how are you peachy P-
0: doing peachy. peachy
1: yeah ah good stuff i, I always enjoy the, the the your your way of articulating yourselves it's not like everybody and i appreciate that
0: it's only one word today
1: i know it's great though it's a well-chosen word
0: <laughs> so what's uh, what's happening uh what's happening in your world
1: same old same old but uh but seeing a lot of people with just i guess conditions i would like to call them as like this low rumbling fire that's not always easy to put out fire Uh, fire fiery conditions yeah lots of skin rashes and weird things and just pain and discomfort and so heat heat lots of signs of like heat and fire
0: so when we're talking about heat and fire clinically as naturopaths what let's give it away what are we talking about today
1: we're going to talk about inflammation today
0: yeah i I can't believe we've sort of got around uh talking about it uh it's we're in like 90 something episodes and we haven't talked about one of the most uh critical sort of Uh, or common, at least, uh, processes driving a lot of chronic disease, right? Mm -hmm.
1: But also an extremely vital process for the process of healing as well. And that's what Uh I think people don't realize is that inflammation isn't just all bad. Key point. It's it's so early in the
0: podcast. Key point.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Gold nuggets. Gold nuggets of info, guys. Inflammation is is a very important part of healing. So if your immune system is triggered... Inflammation is a byproduct of that. It's if just- If you
0: sprain your ankle. Correct. You know, a little bit of Redness,
1: swelling, pain. Because yeah. you need to be alerted to the fact that something happened. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to keep running around on this ankle and continuing to create an injury.
0: And you're bringing um, more platelets and blood cells to the area absolutely. when you have that edema and uh, and everything that comes with it, right? So now you got your healers, your little bloodborne healers coming in there.
1: Yeah. No, it's inflammation is a good thing. But too much. Inflammation. There's an asterisk
0: there. There's an asterisk there. Yeah. Inflammation <laughs> is a
1: good thing. Asterisk. However, it has to be kept in check as well. And I think that's where us as clinicians are seeing when inflammation is not kept in check or if it's, if it's, it's turned. It's turned from like a small little fire to a raging like forest fire, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> from a, right from like lighting no, a match. Oh, a good to analogy a for sure. Fire, right. So that's where I feel like that's what we as as practitioners are trying to help people come out of that. We're trying to put that fire out, that blazing fire out,
0: or that chronic, right? The chronic underlying sort of inflammation that goes unresolved. And and I I use the yeah. word unresolved on purpose because there are. So, some nerds out there will know about, um, resolvins. These are, uh, little molecules in fish oils that help resolve chronic inflammation. So, uh, I don't, I forget it was Dr. Rachel Vinberg, Weinberg, I forget how to pronounce her last name. She did some continuing education, uh, presentation several years ago. Cause I'm old. I, it's been a while. Um, and it was, it was a lot of it was on like resolving inflammation because it's not like necessarily just on or off inflammation is not necessarily like just on or off. You've got to have these things that resolve it. So, Mm
1: -hmm. yeah. So like clinically, there are different things that we can do to assess for inflammation. Dave and I both like to run two specific tests from a laboratory perspective. Dave, do you want to, do you want to tell our listeners what these tests are?
0: Yeah, they're uh, they're a whopping two dollars Canadian each, and uh, I, I find them it's tough really. Sell. <laughs> it's an it's easy tough sell. <laughs> I just I, I tell them I can find stupider ways to spend two dollars than that. Um, but yeah, we we run uh, CRP, so C-reactive protein, and ESR or Sed rate or erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Uh, CRP is like a newer test. ESR is a really old lab test um but they're both awesome
1: mhm mhm and it's funny so, we
0: talked about like ranges um yeah. so the the range uh w- <sighs> we've talked about range like it's a theme in the in the podcast i think when it comes to laboratory clinical laboratory evaluation we talk about there's a difference between like conventionally uh, accepted like these are pathological endpoints after this point of the range it's it's bad. And before that point, it's, it's totally fine. And we know it's not really like that. And we have different sort of like um, ranges, I guess, that we work with as naturopaths. And it was funny because when I asked you yours, they were the exact same as mine. So
1: seeing um, eye to eye on this one. So again, our, our, what, what Dave and I deem acceptable ranges is different than what you find as the reference ranges on your lab work. If that wasn't like just to be very clear for our listeners. So for CRP, Dave and I both agree that we really want it under one milligram per liter. Ideally, anything above one is already a sign of a little bit of inflammation happening in the system. And I find CRP is more metabolic inflammation and cardiovascular inflammation, maybe even GI inflammation. If I remember correctly, from some of my lab studies, um, that's kind of, a marker of that and esr i find is more a marker of just generalized inflammation in the body for the most part
0: yeah and then even then, the way the test is is very like esr i think it's they see how long it takes for blood to drip down a capillary so it's really yeah it's like a it's like an interesting sort of test crp is a molecule so they're 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 different um in a sense do you find they they correlate more often than not or do you find um Obviously, I'm asking you to see what you say, and then I'm going to say what I, I I see.
1: Oh, really quickly. Um, for ESR, we typically like to see it under five millimeters millimeters per hour. Ideally, is just the just the um the unit the units. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's a good question. I've 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 gotten into the habit of just asking people to get it run regardless cuz i feel yes. like if there's a low grade a level of inflammation i would rather know up front yes um and i have seen them often both outside of normal but i've also seen them individually outside of normal yes um so so it's not always it's not always the two coincide cuz they they can be markers of slightly different things like i said crp can be more cardiovascular metabolic and ESR could be just more generalized inflammation somewhere in the body.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's basically what I was going to say, too, is that I'd say they, they correlate a lot. Um, but a lot of the time, too, I'll, I'll see one of them is, is relatively normal and, and one is not. I think part of that might be, um, well, with CRP, I think it's related to interleukin-6 related inflammation. So it's, it's, it's like a, a little bit more um, specific kind of inflammation, mm. whereas ESR is like a whole blood. You know, they they take they all the blood and, and see what happens there. So essentially uh, different evaluations, but I do find them correlate a lot.
1: They do. They do, especially for someone who has much more a chronic condition or an acute flare of something, then I can find that they're both a little bit elevated or more, my more difficult, my more layered and complex clients will have likely both of them elevated. Um, mm. That's kind of how I've seen it.
0: Mm hmm. Um, so I'm going to continue with Dave's, uh, unofficial school of bad analogies and talk about fire. (laughs) How, well, you said fire.
1: I did. And I I, I think
0: it reminded me of something I say to clinic, like I say in the clinic to patients, you know, almost every day, uh, which is like from signs and symptoms, any half decent naturopath is going to be able to tell that you have some inflammation. Mm Mm-hmm right? So you, you could therefore ask, why are you guys running this? Well, I, I think it's, it's helpful to have some objective markers. And it also shows magnitude of the yeah. problem. Like, okay, we can say, I'm sure you've seen lots of people with like arthritis or, well, by the way, anything ends in IS is inflammation. So cystitis, arthritis, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, you can say you've got some inflammation somewhere, but this helps us tell like how bad is it? So my school of bad analogies is like (laughs) inflammation tells us there's a fire somewhere okay so then we we it's like we see smoke there's smoke Mm -hmm. it doesn't tell Mm -hmm. us like how big the fire is necessarily Mm -hmm. but the crp and esr help us with that so that's Mm -hmm. cool yeah it also doesn't tell us this is very important inflammation doesn't tell us the source of the of the problem but i it's like it's like a It's just sort of like a waste product of every inefficient sort of process going on in the body. There's always going to be, as a part of that, there's going to be some kind of inflammation. So it tells you there's a fire. Smoke says there's a fire, but it doesn't necessarily tell you what's burning where. Mm -hmm. Does that, do you get kind of what I'm saying? Because if you told me you don't get what I'm saying, I got to stop that analogy.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It tells us that there's a fire in the body, but it doesn't tell us where or what caused it necessarily.
0: Yeah, you're
1: right. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. I because because like we we kind of hinted at this at the beginning is that inflammation isn't necessarily the cause of all your problems, and it's not necessarily the root cause. It's likely a consequence of an original irritation, but the inflammation is what causes you the most discomfort to seek help. Ooh, yeah. Would that be?
0: I think that's. I think that's pretty, pretty close to the. the sequence of events for a lot of people yeah um yeah and so let's maybe let's just again give you looked this up or we looked this up right before just like this is first year of physiology the telltale signs of inflammation i think it's Mm -hmm. because we're just talking about inflammation in general right now uh four main signs heat redness edema and pain
1: and edema for people who don't know who are not physicians is just like that fluid pooling swelling swelling. Kind of. swelling
0: let's say swelling let's, yeah.
1: sw- let's say swelling
0: so i know i'm doing all right uh with regards to some inflammation for me some chronic inflammation for me cuz my ring is is fitting my wedding ring is fitting a bit loose so that's one thing that some people i don't know if you notice that people would say but often Hmm. you're like even the small joints or, or like your fingers and toes will have less edema, less swelling Mm -hmm. when you're in a a state of a little bit better inflammation
1: control. There was something else that I was talking, people would, people struggling with weight loss and stuff. Well, they'll eat and they feel swollen before, before going to bed. But then when they wake up, they don't feel swollen. It's because this had, your body's had a chance for inflammation to reduce. So it's not necessarily that you're like yo-yoing in your weight that it's it's uh, what do i say it's it's an inflammatory weight gain and weight loss for those kinds of things where you're you're thin in the morning same like with you know what i mean like a bloated kind of feeling and like big and expanded and everything feels bloated and you feel heavy and in the morning you're fine and it's usually a sign of inflammation overnight that inflammation probably went down so it's that's likely what it is like you're eating stuff that's causing inflammation in your body and it's making it feel like massive weight gain
0: well, I mean, maybe a good transition there into you, maybe you're going to talk about food sensitivities coming up anyway. So maybe that's was, yeah. a good, a good transition there.
1: Yeah. Um. So there's the, when food sensitivities are an interesting one and people are always asking me like, how come I don't know what it is or why should I run a test? Wouldn't I know what it is, et cetera food sensitivities are difficult because when you spark that part of our immune system it can have a delayed response and that response can be anywhere between one hour to 72 hours later and whenever you trigger that immune response inflammation is going to follow and sometimes that inflammation doesn't show up as gi issues and that's what trips mm-hmm. people people up with food sensitivities and they're like but i don't get any discomfort when i eat that and i was like okay but we're also talking about other symptoms that you might be exhibiting um, that to me as a clinician are signs of inflammation um when you put the, all the pieces of the puzzle together um and the food delayed be- part
0: is so hard right i, know, I, I find that's-, that's that's the hardest thing trying to like yeah. explain to people you, you'd think you'd feel really shitty after eating something that's not good for you it's not always like
1: that no no and then the local inflammation might subside like maybe the GI inflammation would subside within like mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. of time, but it doesn't mean what's the the markers, the inflammatory markers that are having around in your bloodstream can be lingering. I think sometimes three to six weeks. And I think some people with gluten, they say sometimes you have to really be off of things like that for like three months to really notice a difference. It's it's really remarkable how long and in a, a a consequence of eating in a, a food that doesn't agree with you, the effects of that can linger in the body. Mm -hmm. um because inflammation doesn't just like come and go within like a hot second you know it can linger and that's where it gets really deceiving and 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 difficult to find out what's the problem that's where testing is helpful or doing things like an elimination diet where you like kind of take everything out and then you reintroduce them one at a time to see like what's affecting you but you have to give yourself that three to six week break to allow the inflammation to calm down enough that when you introduce a food back in, you can have much more of a, a true reaction where it's not muddled by other foods yeah. that might've been inflammatory or other sources of inflammation. And then it's muddy and you can't quite tell. But yeah. And
0: I got I got a love-hate relationship with those elimination diets. <clears throat> I really yeah. do. They're, they're amazing. There's, I'd say there's nothing like it. It's just, there's also nothing like it when it comes to being a pain in the arse to do and sustainability and, um, you know, focus and dedication on it
1: it does and it. i mean it's so interesting when i think the elimination diet is a bit more extreme than what healthy eating in a balanced meal should yes. be, but it's so funny because even when you try to get people to eat a balanced meal and get rid of even just their most offensive foods, they're like, "Well, what's left to eat?" And I was like, "Well, a cornucopia food, actually. Like it's <laughs> actually oh, the the foods cornucopia. were meant, uh, The foods were actually meant to be eating. The problem is, is we've been inundated." With so many unhealthy foods, it feels like you have to move mountains to try to actually eat in a way that honors your body because it's so easy to have quick, convenient junk food, right? Um, so I get it. I wow. get that it feels like a challenge, but I think it's also...
0: Cornucopia. Yeah. In classical antiquity, the cornucopia from Latin cornu and copia, also called the horn of plenty, was a symbol of abundance and nourishment. Often a large horn-shaped container overflowing with produce flowers or nuts great choice of words michelle
1: <laughs> i love that you actually looked it up but don't I, you i love corner... word
0: etymology and, yeah, and, and you it's, do. it's perfect it's perfect it's a it's perfect actually, word it's it actually perfect... a perfect word so
1: it just makes me think of the cornucopias i would color in for thanksgiving every year in elementary school <laughs> That's awesome
0: the horn of plenty so no it's plenty. true you're you're right it if you know again it sort of depends on like if you know what you're doing if you don't live in a bloody food desert or like the yukon or something yeah um and some these things we you know we have to be simple or compassionate about uh those sort of situations because we often forget how um lucky we are in some ways um like for sure. even here like where i am in the 519 we don't have the same things as you have in what are you 905 416 what are uh, you I think
1: it's an amalgamation of all of those things I think but you're right I, you're I'm, a properly I'm fancy very, city girl I'm okay? very fortunate with the abundance of the, the cornucopia <laughs> of options in my grocery stores we, you
0: know the bottom of the cornucopia that's what we have <laughs> Like the end of the ice cream no. cone uh oh. we get the raspberries at least a day or two after you they are oh. uh, they're not as good
1: uh see that breaks my heart
0: anyway that but the point is uh you know we don't it, it is difficult to implement the uh inflammation or the, sorry the elimination diet uh in lots of cases and and it does depend on you having a sort of basic understanding of how to cook have a you know have some of the basics there so um but and i will time, say time
1: money time money energy right because you have to be able to have too. the time to prep the money to buy better quality yes. foods and then the energy to actually like go through the process and do the cooking. Right. So going back to your trifecta of like what drives people to be productive or not productive, you have to be able to have those facets, all three. Yeah. Uh, at least. And
0: especially like, you know, well, we, we said, uh, well, you haven't said it, but like inflammation conditions with inflammation as an aspect of them can be tiring. Cause we, t- you, you were going to talk about fatigue and, and brain fog coming up soon. Um, so, you know, even when you're, you're low in energy, you got to do this. So it, it can be, it can be difficult. So it has to be, for me, it has to be, uh, well chosen, the elimination diet in a yeah. person who's ready, like they're probably sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it, yeah. it's meaning it's meaningful or life sucking, uh, the way they are is life sucking or it's very meaningful to do this work. So it's not yeah. for everyone who's just, hi, how's it going? I'd like to feel better. No, it's it, you ready to do the work. Brother, because you will feel better. This is the coolest. I think I've. I don't know about you. I've had one person I think who didn't do better on the elimination diet. Oh no, one, everybody
1: feels better. They just don't want. I to had one it.
0: who didn't, and I think <laughs> really? they did it properly. Yeah, yeah. There's something else is going on. It was earlier in my career, but here, like I have not found something like the elimination diet that helps everyone to some extent in every sort of aspect of their uh, of their physiology.
1: I don't think I've ever had anybody not feel better on it either. Like, I don't think yeah. I've had even one say the opposite.
0: Yeah. Maybe they or, just, or have maybe no there's change. something else going on with this person. But the point is, it's like a, it's almost a fail safe way to get better, but it's hard.
1: Yeah. yeah? and food, But yeah. And then that's the tough part too, because this is something you have to eat every, you have to eat food every day, several times a day, ideally, or like at least more than one at least a couple yeah at least a couple depending on your eating habits but if you're if you're eating something every day that's just kind of pouring gasoline on that like those fiery embers then good yeah. luck trying to put out the fire is kind of what i want to try to get to right because we were going to talk about the fact that there's healthy and unhealthy chronic inflammation there's healthy and unhealthy inflammation we really kind of alluded to that but if you're constantly doing things that put you into a state of inflammation, or as I like to say, pours gasoline on that in, on that fire. It's going to be really hard to put out that fire, regardless mm-hmm. of what caused it in the first place. If you have all these things just pouring gasoline, I find food sensitivities, especially when someone's in the acute phase of their of of, of their condition, food sensitivities are a really important aspect of helping stop pouring some gasoline on that fire basically it's one one of the many pieces that i would probably use to help people get to where they need to be
0: yeah if i if i had like uh some sort of facility set up where people come for some sort of like healing whatever spa healing uh retreat the that would probably be part of it if you could If you could make it work, you could just, you cook all these anti-inflammatory, let's not say anti-inflammatory, we'll say non-inflammatory or most likely Mm non-inflammatory foods, man, everyone's going to start feeling better pretty quick. So, um, I know we beat the crap out of the elimination diet, but I, I can't, I can't, uh, stress enough how amazing it is as a intervention. And it really fits for what we're talking about with just like non-specific inflammation, often driven by, uh, Unconscious dietary indiscretions. Mm-hmm. Wow, cornucopia of words. <laughs> Bam. I'm hey,
1: literally mich- just gonna say that to be honest. <laughs> I'm not on. even joking. I was, not you beat me to it. <laughs> Get on my
0: level. Get on my level. Okay, so uh, you you wrote down some of the uh, common signs of unmanaged inflammation. This is not an exhaustive list, but give the people some of your things you, you think are- Give yeah, the
1: people your, what they want. Yeah. Um. So this is just to give people an understanding of how you can begin to identify this in yourself. If you have joint pain, any kind of arthritis, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, I don't know, any- Any Any itis, any, itis, any <laughs> joint, but any kind of like pain in the joints, there'll be inflammation for that. Now, yeah. if it's acute pain, because you just fell and you busted your hip, that's acute pain, that's necessary. If it's just long-term pain in your fingers where you feel like you're like you're the Tin Man in the morning, you need to be oiled up in the morning and it's every morning for years, that's no chronic inflammation that mm-hmm. should probably kept, be kept in check somehow outside of just taking some kind of pain medication because you're not really dealing with the inflammation properly. I just wanna put it out there. Um, migraine headaches can be a sign of inflammation. Any kind of skin irritation, it usually shows up as red or it's oozing something, or you can actually feel heat coming from that skin area. So like eczema, psoriasis, um, acne, anything like that is going to be a sign of inflammation. Brain fog is a good sign of inflammation. Um, a leaky gut can lead to leaky brain, and that's usually a sign of inflammation in the gut, which then leads to inflammation to the brain. So you can have a number of symptoms for that, including mood issues um, and brain fog, fatigue, um, cramps, ladies, your PMS cramps and your menstrual cramps should not be debilitating every month. That is a sign of inflammation, chronic and unregulated inflammation in the body. Um, and any kind of like stomach pains, stomach ulcers, especially that's going to be a local sign of inflammation. Anything that has pain quality to it, inflammation.
0: Inflammatory bowel disease, IBS. There you go. Yeah. They're there's so yeah. much that has inflammation as, as sort of part and parcel with it. So yeah, yeah, um, probably it's, it's, probably a part, it's probably a process going on in every single person who goes to your office, right. It's at, on some, yeah. on some level.
1: Oh, unequivocally. Yeah. I would say hundred percent. Yes. There's yeah. some level of inflammation happening in each person that's coming because inflammation is going to lead to those symptoms That make you go to the doctor's office because it's pain related or it's discomfort or it's redness or it's a change in how something looks or it's swelling that's going to lead you to the doctor because your body's like hey i need help pay attention (laughs) right i wanted to bring up something interesting too that's a little bit more relevant based on the last couple of years we've flown through now also when you get sick and when you get an infection there's also going to be a level of inflammation as part of the healing process. So, um, when it, when it comes to viral infections, there's a level of inflammation that happens, and some viruses hit a little harder. So, like mono can have long-term inflammatory uh, responses after, as long as it could take three months to resolve that. Right. Same with coronavirus. It's a very this particular COVID nineteen has been very inflammatory. It's very mm. inflammatory because it triggers these spike proteins. It's the same reason even um, that sometimes people are having inflammatory reactions after the what we're not supposed to mention, the vaccine, because it also triggers spike protein production. So that's inflammation. A lot of these consequences or long-term consequences from both the virus or the vaccine or any freaking virus, frankly, is going to be a level of inflammation because it's part of your body's immune system's response. It's part of the healing response to a virus so i just wanted to put that out there right and for some people it might take three months to fully so there's a lot of talk about like long covid and stuff like that right now but that's not necessarily new we've had um there's long everything there's long everything with a lot of of viruses and stuff too right so it's not like it's some wildly new issue and i just want to put that out there And it's often because of long-term inflammation. And I was doing a course and it was, it was about long COVID, but really it's long post viral recovery. And a part of it talked about the resolvins that you brought up and how omega-3s are such an important part of that component. So it's like step one, step two. And it's like, I think it's like the third or the fourth step of completing the immune cycle post-infection and resolvins are such an important part of that Um, the body's resolution post-infection to coming back into a a state of normalcy again in balance. So those omega-3s are key for that. Cool. Yeah.
0: Um, Let's maybe, maybe talk about you, you also shared with me some, some basics, maybe some basics uh, for, for managing inflammation, which, I mean, look, they're all going to be individualized to some degree, um, but there's some, some, uh, well, you've already alluded to the fish oils and so have I, but is there anything else you're thinking about when you're talking about inflammation?
1: Absolutely. First and foremost, the best you can get rid of crap food. <laughs> I'll be more specific.
0: How many years of school did you have to to put that one together?
1: So many years <laughs> and so much money, Dave. Um, but see, but it's oil. so true. It's but it's like the simplest That's thing. That's where in the you world. start. And mm-hmm. no, and like it, it's one of the hardest things because we're emotional creatures, and we emotionally eat, we want convenience, we want easy. And again, it's based on like your location. sometimes what's available isn't always the yes, highest quality exactly. either. So so it's it's it can be tough, but it might not be as tough. um there, there there can be certain things you could probably tweak and try to change. Now, first and foremost, seed oils and vegetable oils are absolute garbage. They're pro-inflammatory. I'm going to just put that out there and I'm not going to backtrack from that statement. I will hardly support that statement. Wow. Seed oils promote inflammation. And if you're trying to turn down the embers of those of that fire, you, 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 you don't want to keep putting that kind of crap oil in your system. That's actually quite toxic, quite chemically manipulated and very inflammatory. So now you have like a trifecta of things that are going to throw your body off of balance.
0: No canola oil?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Rapeseed oil. That's the worst name ever. (laughs) Rapeseed oil.
0: It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No canola oil guys. I do, I do fairly well on, in the oils with just, I use, if I am going to use something for a higher heat, I use a little avocado (laughs) or coconut oil. And then my general go-to oil is olive oil, as long as I don't hit that smoke point so it's not
1: at the yeah and even so i think like some of the some of the um information has been changing more recently where i think they're finding coconut oil smoke point is not as high as it used to be and avocado like there's some new information coming out and i have to recheck it about smoke points and stuff i try not to like do anything crazy high um but if i am going to do something on a higher heat i'm going to use ghee because it has a really good smoking Uh, point
0: yeah yeah cool yeah. clarified butter clarified um,
1: butter but olive oil is my go-to i put that shit yeah. on everything it's like me my too. frank's red hot
0: sauce <laughs> <laughs> okay what else do you think? And you're going to ditch a lot of the seed oils um I-, I added one thing to your list there which is i don't do this uh very often but i know some naturopaths do it with varying degrees of success and that's getting rid of potatoes and nightshades i had another patient tell me this week she said if she eats potatoes her joints feel like crap. And she, she's one of those patients, you can actually rely on the data you're getting from her because she's one very steady with what she does. And two, she has a very high standard of uh, dietary uh, mm. knowledge and and implementation. So nice. I trust her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then that, that I think that goes in line with the whole idea of individualized inflammatory. Exactly. Now, I will, I will also just kind of say that most forms of gluten that we know in north america are likely going to be inflammatory there's been a lot in the in in the social meds and posts and from from very credible and and reliable people that i follow and resources talking about how it might not be the we might not have as much of a gluten issue as it is a glyphosate issue and a pesticide residues that actually and has affected our body's ability to use gluten properly but there's been a lot of that about people actually pointing to glyphosate and these chemical residues that are in, a, in inhibiting our body's ability to really tolerate this grain but I would add to that that we've hybridized it a lot since the agricultural revolution to the point where I, uh, I've I've read papers and research where our body doesn't really recognize it and break it down adequately, nor do we have the enzymes to fully break it down effectively because we've changed the protein structure through hybridization. Like Nature hybridizes things once every, I don't know what the statistic is, statistic, oh my God. Uh, I think it's like once or twice every thousand years or a couple hundred years or something like that. And we've done it like over 40 times since the agricultural revolution. From an evolutionary perspective, we it's we're missing the mark there we just can't keep up with that so gluten's a big one dairy can be a very very big one for various reasons as well and then the nightshade family can also be quite problematic for a lot of people but i'm like you i don't always reach for the nightshades
0: no and you know just to sum up what you're saying with the with the gluten uh and and weed thing like look there's many many different perspectives like you were kind of alluding to with with gluten and wheat yeah what clinicians will tell you is that often eliminating wheat so whether i don't care whether it's the gluten or the or the glyphosate or whatever right often just eliminating it is Mm -hmm. one of the most important things for for people so
1: mechanisms aside i think you'll
0: find the highest bang for your buck eliminations from your diet are going to be gluten and dairy and sugar
1: yeah. And, sugar. Yes. Yeah. There was also something else. A lot of people in my office will come to me and be like, well, I feel fine when I go to Italy and I eat the wheat there. Yeah. And I think it's because it's more of a heritage wheat. It's more local. It hasn't been as manipulated. It hasn't been as hybridized. It, it hasn't been sprayed with as you're much You're also stuff. on holiday. And you're on holiday. And I bring that up too. I was like, you're relaxed. So your digestion is yeah. more relaxed. Yeah. Um. But my sister was saying that if she eats Canadian heritage wheat, that's from here and it hasn't been, like big company she's like mm-hmm. she finds she tolerates those those forms of bread and wheat a little bit better cuz it hasn't been as like bastardized is the best word i can use
0: it you hear it enough that you know there's so a kernel there's of there's truth. something
1: there's something there now it doesn't like if you have celiac disease you're probably not going to be able to get away with any form of wheat so i'm just mm-hmm. going to put that out there
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: regardless of heritage or non-gmo or italian or whatever yeah, um yeah. the damage has been done
0: there's something to it though. When yeah. so many patients say that, yeah. especially the European weed or whatever, it's like, it doesn't yeah. affect me. I, I believe them.
1: Yeah. No, I think there's definitely something there. Um, sugar you brought up. That's a huge one. We've talked about this with some of our, our last, our last talk, we talked about sugar and how damaging it can be and how it's such an important part of regulating just like proper health. Um, and that would also be a really big one from an inflammation perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. There's, there's a lot to it. And again, I, the ins, the, it might be different mechanisms and different people. Um, but there's something to that getting rid of sugar, wheat, dairy. yeah, There's something about it. And I'm not going to be that naturopath who is uh, telling you to get rid of everything, everything, everything. I, I, I don't love that strategy, but those are, those are high yield eliminations.
1: Those are the, that's a pretty big trifecta that I find yeah. that almost without fail cr- when you take it out, they will create You'll a feel positive better. effect.
0: You'll have some positive effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, simple things that you can do at home as well is just using hydrotherapy. And like everyone's doing these cold plunges. You don't have to get a cold plunge bathtub for your backyard or anything like that, but cold helps reduce inflammation. That's why we put ice on injuries.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's why the, the analogy of heat or a traditional view of heat is very interesting too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I didn't give my little physics analogy again. Dave's, oh, yeah. Dave's school of probably uh, incorrect analogies continues here. Um, I, I sometimes think about like inflammation as kind of like heat, sort of like you'd have a waste product of some inefficient process or some uh, process with or like say it was a machine with a lot of friction. That's um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of another way of of really thinking about um heat loss as as a inefficient uh a sign of inefficiency um but yeah i, I just sorry I, I took you off track from the hot no, cold not, showers
1: not at all but like hot cold showers something i i will admit i am not good at implementing but when i'm sick and if i've had a chest infection you don't do the cold shower No, i will but when i'm sick and i'm feeling unwell i'll I'll muster it up to be like at least do it twice like you know because it's not always the i I love a hot i love a hot shower like my boyfriend's like the whole bathroom is steamed up woman what are you doing yeah yeah um so it's not instinctual for me to want to turn the cold on after but when i'm sick i do make a point of doing that to improve lymphatic flow blood flow reduce inflammation and just improve healing capacity of my body so
0: I do the every day I just end cold. I just end cold. I I don't do the three times, uh, but I do end cold and I, I like it. Um, I like it for lymphatic mover. Yeah. It's going to help. Like you're saying, it's a basic hydrotherapy thing to do. I also like it because, uh, it doesn't feel good necessarily. And it's no, honestly to increase like a kind of like resilience to,
1: uh, that David Goggins mindset. (laughs) Oh,
0: come on. I'm not like that guy's an animal, but like, (laughs) I, I, but I do mean it in that. Yeah. uh, In that kind of way, like toughen up. You don't like some sensations in your body for a few seconds. I can handle that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's an end in sight. Like, I think that's the other thing, like we can handle a lot when we know there's an end in sight. So I, I only do it for like 25 seconds or whatever, but it's enough to be uncomfortable. And I like to get a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable.
1: I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I am not in the habit of doing a cold ending on Dare you. showers and I, and I always tell myself I should start doing that. And then push comes to shove. I take my shower and then I'm like, okay, and I'm out and I got to dry myself off and yeah. get to work. And I forget about the cold part. Right. Like, so, because you um, feel
0: good. Cause it's all steam and you feel good, but honestly, what, like what you or any listeners can do is honestly try like five seconds. Like you can handle five seconds.
1: Oh, anyway. I know I can. Yeah. I know I can, it's just remembering to do it and getting into that habit. That's the thing that I feel like I get, I, I'm stuck on still is just creating that habit. But, um, talk to me about some of your favorite anti-inflammatory herbs. Well,
0: they're the ones that you wrote down and they're just the, the
1: ones that I wrote down.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I use the same ones. Uh, I, I don't I, like, look, I'm changing as a, as a clinician a lot and I use not a lot of supplements, Oh, but a couple, I have these ones that you've listed here are curcumin, Boswellia, NAC, um, and then quercetin I put in, what did I I made a formula with quercetin in it? Yeah, so those are some of my absolute faves. Um, You know, curcumin is, I think it's one of the supplements that made it, you know, curcumin has made it um it's in pharmacies and stuff like that and, and a lot it's, i feel like a lot of like pretty conventional sort of average people know about curcumin it's not like the uh cutting edge old school naturopathic combo that you see whereas boswellia is more like that i think more um boswellia is not as well known frankincense good enough for jesus yeah. good enough for you
1: <laughs> indeed yeah
0: so no i think that one's awesome and um uh I, I think it's not as well known, but uh inflammatory bowel disease, I think there's some research there.
1: Yeah, there um, is and,
0: and arthritis. Uh you probably curc- know more about it.
1: Curcumin good for inflammatory bowel disease too. I find like a lot of my people who are um, especially if they're on a lot of the heavier medications for I B D, curcumin yeah. is still safe enough to use with that and also really helps.
0: Yeah. Also, relevant side note to what you just talked about there with IBD and curcumin, you'll see a lot of these like highly absorbable curcumin. I, I say, if you've got IBD, who cares if it's absorbable? Let it let it go. It's supposed and, to be local anyway. Yeah, like let it let it go linger in your colon. Mm-hmm. Who cares if you don't absorb it? So if you even just get a, because some of the highly absorbable ones will have a higher a less easily absorbed price tag. Yeah. And uh, even if you just use like traditional turmeric or whatever, because there's always something, you know, there's always something you can do time, energy, money, even if say you have IBD and you don't have a ton of cash in the bank, but you can, you can afford some turmeric. It's a spice. And so, yeah, it won't be absorbed, but um, man, it's going to get, it's going to get local and that's, that's good too.
1: Yeah. And another one I just thought about is ginger. Yeah. So like, so if people have like a cold, I'll just be like turmeric ginger tea with some honey and lemon. Like it's nice, right? You no,
0: know, it- Yeah. Ginger is beautiful. Uh, like it's, I, I just put, I've made a, a a fiber combination. I put a lot of ginger in it. It's a carminative too, right? So very good for helping with like gas and bloating and stomach proper anti-nausea. My God, like, oh, this stuff's amazing.
1: Ginger's great.
0: Uh, ginger is great. And it's like, it's another one of those cures in the cupboard. And I was like, g- gradually I'm, I'm finding some of these real um, um, Really important or relevant uh, foods that are like they're as good as supplements, and mm-hmm. I and I, I think we should do a list. Some you and I maybe off 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 the podcast. We can do like what are our favorite power foods for some things? Because like I would put raisins and and prunes up there in in some categories. Like I'm I've been recently looking into the potential renal acid load, like basically how acidic or alkaline foods are. Raisins, absolutely. Like head and shoulders above everything else I've seen in terms of like alkaline foods.
1: I don't like raisins; they ruin baked goods for me. So I have like
0: <laughs> ruined baked goods, but also so good for your kidneys.
1: Oh, that's well. That's that's interesting. Yes, yeah, see- I, will, I will. I would eat a prune, though. I'd be happy. Oh, yeah. I'd be happy to go down with a prune.
0: I, I'm down with the prunes, man. I love prunes, and they make me more regular.
1: regular. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they make me into an everyday average regular guy.
1: So uh I think that's the list for the for the for the inflammation talk, right? So I feel like Yeah, you got
0: to be- draw the line somewhere like you could go you could we do can oh just my keep god. Going on, you could have like just- the inflammation podcast and it, it could have so many uh episodes, but I, th- I think that I'm really glad that you uh, brought a, brought this one up to to touch on cuz like said, so we're in the 90s of episodes and we haven't um we haven't talked about it and it's a part of every chronic disease so like what what the hell were you thinking Dave It's a
1: part of just living like inflammation is just a part of living and it's just really is it is that inflammation going out when it's the fire is meant to go out or is the fire raging on and take and just kind of like becoming bigger and bigger that's really the question when it comes to inflammation um so yeah it's part of life yeah but sometimes we need to turn it down or turn it off yeah adequately
0: well thanks to our listeners for making us a part of their life and uh now it's time to (laughs) now it's time (laughs) to turn it down and and turn it off
1: oh well done yeah bye everyone
0: bye catch you next week
1: that naturopathic podcast (laughs) tnp hello there